The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys. Happy Wednesday. Happy Election Day. Boy, it's been quite an evening. Yeah, it is. Scott's been just peeled to the TV. I almost wanted to have one of those little TVs like you have for sports where you can, like, follow along as you're here. But whatever. We're going to be here and we're going to be disconnected. The country is going green. (laughs) Five more states have approved marijuana use. That is true. And the uh, bonus of legal... Psychedelic mushrooms in Oregon. Yay, Oregon. <laughs> I think we all need a... I think we should, before the president's... Uh, before the candidates debate, they should be doing mushrooms. Yeah, maybe Get next year. Four mushrooms. years later. Yeah, a lot of changes here, guys. We are going to talk about uncertainty today. We knew we were going live today. We weren't sure how we were going to roll the topic, but uh, we are going to talk about uncertainty because we're all feeling a little bit uncertain, and uncertainty in dogs is a big thing that we run across a lot and can have a lot of fallout and a lot of problems. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. And the quirky tip of the day is just stay calm. Everyone wow. is freaking the frig out, including me to a certain extent. I'm feeling but I'm pretty doing good. Okay. I got my pearls on today. I'm representing. I'm but, uh, representing who? <laughs> what? Representing the blue pig. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, we just uh, really, as a nation, um, the calmer you are, the better. Go for a freaking walk with your dog. Like, just take a little bit of time out of your day. And Have a cigar. Chill out. Yes. Have that, a cigar. Even better. Order from two guys. Scott loves his cigars. No, but we... Uh, I didn't think I could get any lazier until I started smoking <laughs> cigars. Yeah. Trust me. There's always another level of How laziness. How can I kill an afternoon? Okay. So, uncertainty um, is something that seems like, okay, you know, I, I guess four years ago... Yes, I went to bed and I was sad and everything else, but it was nice to wake up and kind of know what was going to happen. Oh, it was worse than that. (laughs) We already went through that. So anyway, today we wake up and we're feeling uncertain. We're feeling unsettled. We're not sure what things are going to look like, what's going to happen. And that is something that our dogs are feeling quite often because of our own behavior. And they have a lot of fallout from that, if that makes sense. So one good phrase that I've heard. What do you mean by fallout? Well, let me just preface this a little more. So one good phrase that I've heard is training should be black and white. Like you don't want it to be gray. And that's very true. You don't want sometimes your dog to think, oh, well, if I put two feet off the bed, it's not a big deal. And then if they do it the next night and you're a little bit tense, then you bring down the hammer. You want your dogs to be clear. It needs to be black and white. Like this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. And if there is gray area, then you both should be aware of it. Like for instance, with our dogs, if we give them some informal command and they shift around or they you know, shift their weight or spin around or something else, it's not a big deal because it's informal and they know and we know that we're not being super serious. But if it's something like a sit-stay and sometimes you're really enforcing that and other times you're just letting it go, there's a lot of uncertainty there. And that has a lot of fallout for the dog because they're not clear of the rules. Dogs like rules, dogs like structure, and dogs like to be clear. And Americans like structure too. We like to know that we're going to wake up, we're going to know who our president is, we're going to move forward with our day. Is there a culture that doesn't like structure? Well, probably not, but I do think that people don't equate structure to a dog's life Mm. as much as they should. I like to use the alcoholic parent analogy. Yes, completely. Some nights they come home with gifts, some (laughs) nights they come home, beat the shit out of you. (laughs) And that's true. And it's not even that 
you, the owners are always so volatile, but like dogs are picking up on our stress. So if you guys are freaking out at home and you're super stressed out and you're worried about the uncertainty and how things are going to look, depending on how this goes with who actually wins the first round, who contests, whatever the heck's going to happen. The dogs are feeling that energy. They're, the, our energy is always projected onto our dogs. So you guys have to be aware that whatever you're putting out into your household is something that your dogs are going to be internalizing, and that can change the entire family dynamic for everyone. I agree. I agree. Another thing I would say about uncertainty is um, if people do correct their dogs in whatever form that is, maybe you take your dog and put it in a crate for some reason, or you take your dog's collar, or you're using tools. I don't care what that is. Rolling up an old newspaper. Oh, some people do that. Yeah. There are people that are big on, on that um, method still. If you're going to have a balanced training method with your dog and use corrections, you always want the dog to be clear. So I never want like to see an owner walk up to a bed, for instance, and their dog to be like, oh shit, like did I do something wrong? You want the dog to know like, no, I'm just coming over to say hello to you. The more that the dog is understanding, oh, okay, I did do something wrong. There's going to be a consequence here versus, oh, you came near me. I'm not sure of my job. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure of how you're going to act. The better. The clearer the dogs are about the criteria and about what you expect of them, the better things are going to go. And it goes that way in every situation that we see with training and clients and everything else. When it's kind of just this like, oh, I'm going to let the dog walk a little bit ahead. All of a sudden you give them an inch, they take a mile and everything else. So it's not that you have to be super militant, but uncertainty, the way that we're feeling and the jitters and everything else, dogs are feeling that constantly. And they don't have the ability to be like, okay, I'm going to go sit quietly. I'm going to turn my phone on airplane mode. I'm going to, you know, have a little self-talk with myself, smoke a cigar, smoke a joint, have a glass of wine, whatever people do to kind of regulate themselves and bring themselves back down. Dogs don't have coping mechanisms like that. So if they're feeling really uncertain, they're just spinning out of control and we're allowing that to happen unless we intervene. Well, there are some dogs that have little coping mechanisms, like those uh, Dobermans that get into that sucking on their the, side. Yeah, flank and, sucking. But those coping mechanisms, stuff. it's like self-destructive. Unhealthy, Unhealthy, yeah. Um, you'll have dogs that sometimes will like create lick spots on the front of their paws. A lot of times dogs will just like do weird things like scratch or sneeze or something else. But yeah, it does manifest itself in some way if it gets to be to the point some where like of compulsive it's behavior. that extreme. Yeah. And you don't want... <sighs> You want to provide leadership for your dog. And this isn't, we're not like monks of New Skeet or Caesar Milan people. How would you describe leadership? Well, just be, give them directions so that they don't need to think about stepping up and filling in a vacuum in your, yeah. in your house. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Filling a void. So dogs that like are reactive on the street, that one comes up quite yeah, often. So give them something to do so they don't need to feel this need to start being reactive to their own instincts. Yeah. And people will say, oh, my dog's, you know, Cujo on a leash. He doesn't like other dogs. He doesn't like other people, this, that, and the other thing. Well, that's because the dog doesn't feel like anyone's in control in that point. The dog doesn't feel like there's a lot of structure there. Like if they feel like, hey, you got their back, they're not going to be acting out. They don't want to be doing those types of things. They don't want to be the decision makers of the household. It's like when all of a sudden your five or six-year-old feels like they have too much power or your nine or 10-year-old, things start to unravel quickly. Kids don't want to be in charge. Dogs don't want to be in charge. We are their owners and we are adults because we are the ones running the show. The more power that we give them, and everyone thinks that it's nice, like, oh, they wanted a new blanket, they needed a new stroller, they want more freedom, you know, oh, they need to go outside again because they're doing this. The more they're making their own decisions, the more they start to mentally unravel, and it's actually counterproductive for them. 
Yeah, that's how the anxiety gets started, I know. That's 100% where you see the anxiety. And we'll see a lot of times, we've had clients before, a dog will come in for a boot camp, and uh, we'll do training, and we'll work on the problem that's there. And then what happens is, let's say they have some like added benefit that they didn't realize. So one instance that's coming to mind is we had a dog that was in, I think he was like a three-week boot camp a few years ago, and uh, he was an older dog, like herding kind of mix, and he always was like really strange around this spot in their house. So he would like freak out like, Oh, like it's the heebie-jeebies, like it's a ghost or something. And he'd like jump over this specific spot in the house. I'm not sure what the exact situation was, but this had gone on for almost a decade. We had the dog for three weeks. There was some structure. We, uh, did some balance training. The dog took treats. We taught the owners how to deal with it. All of a sudden that little heebie-jeebie spot went away for him. He walked across it normally. He acted more like a normal dog. And that's what we're trying to go for is normalcy. We're trying to normalize normalcy. It is really hard to do right now in America, but it's really hard to do with dog ownerships, ownership, whether there's an election going on or not. It just seems to be a common thread that people are giving, 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 giving more to their dogs, thinking that they're helping them. But really it's getting them to a point where they're freaking stressed out about their lives. They don't feel like they have someone that they can rely on and that's going to protect them and give them instruction. And there's some major fallout for them. And that's fallout that if one dog has it, it's going to transfer throughout your whole entire house. Yeah. And I would add that if you also are diagnosed with anxiety disorder or some other type of uh, neuroses that you're dealing with, keep in mind that that can transfer over to the dogs really easily. So be more conscious of it in your interactions with your dog, knowing that you're not comfortable having this anxious uh issue to deal with. You don't want your dog to be uncomfortable with it. So, you know, the difference is that we can intellectually reason with ourselves and say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm stressed out. I don't want to go to work, but I got to do it. Depending on your level of issue, you should be able to, you know, work through it to a certain extent. And the dogs, or have the dogs can't methods work through it. to help you work through it, whether that be therapy or drugs or whatever else. And yeah, that's a great point you bring up because people are so into anthropomorphizing the dogs that they're like, oh, well, like, yeah, we both have anxiety. Like we're both, you know, running on a higher vibration and on a different kind of plane. Well, that isn't necessarily a thing that you want to be proud of or that you want to project onto your dog. Like maybe try to, if you're feeling overly uptight or something, like maybe try to separate yourself, reel yourself in before you're interacting with your dog and, um, projecting that onto your dog. And a lot of times, you know, we always talk about these emotional support animals and sometimes it can be to the dog's detriment because people are using them for their own sake, but the dogs aren't necessarily strong enough to just sit there and be pet 24 hours a day. Yeah. You're really, sac I mean, if the dog is truly a service animal, then you're sacrificing the dog for the human's betterment, their mental health or physical ability to move around. And, and you need a freaking strong dog to be able to work through that. Like the service dogs that are working with like psychi psychiatric service dogs that work with children and stuff with certain <clears> disorders, <throat> those dogs are built. They're mentally tough. They're built to deal with those types of things and encounter that type of adversity and stick to their own identity and work through that and allow you to use them as a tool. If it's just a pet dog, depending on the genetics and the upbringing and everything else, sometimes that can rub off on the dog and make them more unstable. So you want to be conscious of those things and be aware of what you're doing. And it's not that every moment of your dog's day has to be scheduled and everything has to be rules, 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 but don't freaking tell them to do stuff. Like just let them run around most of the time. We say that all the time. We let our dogs be more free than anything else, but it's this like, 
you know, Rover, come, Rover, come, Rover, come. Dog doesn't come. You need to actually go somewhere. Rover, come. Dog doesn't come. You're marching through the house. Come on. We have to leave right now. We have a vet appointment. Like dogs don't understand that. Why now the 20th time, is it really important that I come in a quick manner? And before it hasn't really mattered at all. And you've just gone off and gone back to your phone call or gone and done another task. You know what I mean? They really... They like expectation, just like we do as Americans and humans and everything else. And really the whole world right now like, is watching us. They, they would like some certainty out of America, whether no matter how that goes. Yeah, like they, one way or the other, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it just knowing is sometimes better than the unknown. And I think that's what's been really tough even about 2020. Like people don't know, like, okay, well, if I finally go see my grandma, am I going to get her sick? Am I going to be able to get married ever with an actual ceremony? You know, who's going to be the Democratic candidate that's going to run against Donald Trump? Who's going to win the presidency? Like there's been so much uncertainty brewing this whole year. Um, and that has made for a lot of fallout in humans. You see a lot of people that are angry, that are pissed, that are unstable, that are violent. I'm not condoning any of that, but there's been fallout from well, uncertainty. <laughs> but there's a fallout with your dogs too, and you have to be aware of that. So when we get back, we're going to talk a little more about how we can all tie this together. But first, we're going to go to break for Coranda. See you then. What makes Coranda beds chew-proof? Only Coranda beds have a patented design which secures the fabric inside the frame, making it totally inaccessible to jaws and paws. Your dog can't chew the fabric because we've hidden the edges inside the rails. Dogs love Coranda beds. See why? Coranda beds come in a variety of custom sizes. You can even add a fleece pad on top for extra coziness. And these beds can be used both indoors and outdoors. But best of all, our beds are easy to clean. Just wipe them off or hose them down. Visit dogbed.us slash thequirkydog for more details. Okay, we're back. All right, we're going to do the quirky question of the day real quick. And the quirky question of the day was... Does my dog like cigars? <laughs> No, that was Scott's. I had to give it a quick check. Uh, what is the best kibble to feed my dog? And really, my answer to that would be, it totally depends on your dog and the calorie intake and the breed and the age and the exercise level and everything else. So the long and short of it is, um, I would go to a higher quality pet food store, like a local pet food store that doesn't sell brands, maybe like Royal Canin, um, what are some other ones? Beneful, the ones that kind of look like uh, Captain Crunch for dogs, all the different colors. Wait, that's no good, that, that Beneful. You just gave Petco a hard time a few weeks ago because they still sold foods like that. So you want to be conscious. Anything you can buy at the grocery store normally isn't great. I know that the Kirkland at Costco is super cheap and, you know, you can get a large quantity for a small price. We might be feeding that to our kids before this all <laughs> yeah, we'll flushes see. out the selection. We'll see how everything pans out here. But... Um, like we have a dog in right now and he is a pretty active boxer, you know, and he's on Victor and Victor is a higher performance food. I like the food. Uh, he was eating six cups a day at home or something crazy. I'm six cups a day. I and, was uh, giving him some extras, cooking yeah, some hamburgers. I was stuff giving like him that. four cups a day, um, two in the morning and two at night. He poops but about 12 cups a day. That's the point is the dog literally has to poop eight times a day. So I just switched him to a cup and a half of Victor with a sweet potato in the morning and a cup and a half and a Victor 
with either um, a half pound of cooked chicken or a half pound of ground beef cooked at night. And I'm trying to regulate that out so his body can absorb it all more. But it completely depends on the dog. Scott has had dogs before that have done terrible on raw food. He tries to give them all the high quality kibble, you know, like a taste of the wild or canna or something. Yeah. The dog's just loose all the time, 24 seven. So that dog was a pro plan dog. It completely depends. A lot of people are obsessed with pro plan right now. If that works for your dog, dog. if your dog is, um, tolerating it well, not super gassy, not having to poop all the time, maintaining weight, not gaining and everything else, then I would say whatever kibble you found has been great. During- One thing I would say about the kibble, though, that just seems like common sense, but I'm seeing a lot of people don't do it. Aside from the quality of the product, if you have a, a full-grown dog, don't, and it's a, you know, a 50-pound dog, don't give it that little tiny kibble pieces because they can inhale that yes, stuff. That's and true. a lot of people, they start out with this puppy, puppy kibble, yeah. this really small kibble, and then they just continue feeding their dog. They maybe they go to an adult um, form of that brand, but, but it's they a don't, smaller size. Not, yeah, they're not getting the big kibble. Yeah, you don't want that to get stuck. So and the same thing if you have a little toy breed, don't give the dog these got you know these big, big moon chunks. rocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chew, and I've no. seen it. People come in, they go here. Or one guy just gave us cat food for his dog on accident. Remember that? <laughs> We've had a lot of stories. <laughs> but the bottom line about the kibble situation is, if you're going to one of those smaller like mom and pop kind of shops within your town, a lot of times the owners are going to be really aware of the different types of kibble and the benefits and how that might help your dog. And during the pandemic, we weren't sure if we'd be able to get raw during the pandemic. It's funny. Like we're having trouble getting it. Yeah. We were having trouble. Um, and the prices were high and everything. So I did buy a bag of kibble and I bought from, and from has been great. And I actually still have a dog on from cause she's doing better on kibble than raw. So long and short of it is avoid the bags of kibble that are under $20, I'd say, for a full-size bag, no matter what, no matter where you buy it. And then look at your ingredients and do some research. And if your dog is doing well on it, who the heck cares? Don't let anyone judge you. All right. That's one one area where I, I just wouldn't go cheap. If you can possibly yes. avoid going cheap, uh, it's with what your dog eats. Because dogs are only with us for a very small part of our own lives, maybe 8, 10 years, if we're lucky more than that. And they're all getting cancer now. There's so many dogs getting cancer and getting all kinds of growths on their body. A lot of it is tied into diet. Yeah, yeah. And we probably at some point will do a whole podcast on raw diet because we feed our dogs a raw diet. And a lot of people have asked about that and everything else. What does that do with uncertainty? Where are we at here? We were answering the question and you've prolonged. He cannot (laughs) smoke cigars when we do these. Okay. I wanted to talk about uncertainty as it relates to situations also. Um, And this is a big one because... People often will say like, well, I tr- we tried to have this you know, situation happen. We tried to have the dogs meet and greet. We weren't sure how it was going to go. If you're not sure about something and it's a situation where your dog could possibly you know, hurt another animal or another person or maybe have a bad experience or something else, set that up so it's more controlled and there's more success. When dogs are feeling uncertain, that's when they're going to maybe fear bite or something else. So like a situation I would be thinking of is kids. So a lot of dogs like Jimmy doesn't like kids. Herding breeds, you know, sometimes are like, what the hell is that little thing? It's concerning. Don't now let some four-year-old walk up to your dog and be like, oh, we'll just see how this goes and, you know, hope for the best when the dog's kind of like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, looking to you for guidance and everything else you know, step in front of the dog, be an advocate for the dog and everything else. When dogs are feeling uncertain, just like with people, guys, this is, we're relating this back to people. They could lash out. They could, you know, have fallout from that. They could do some unusual behavior. So set them up so they're more clear and they feel like you are in control. And I want to get back to that leadership thing because we kind of 
rushed over it a little bit. And a ton of people we see, I, I guess people talk about Caesar Milan less. Do you hear him mentioned as much? No. He's uh-huh. doing like a lot of online schools and stuff now. But a lot of people, you know, are pss, 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 like they watch Caesar Milan. And they used to happen a lot more. Yeah, I feel like it's ago. fading out a bit, but he is doing some more like online schooling and everything else. He's still out there in the scene and people mostly, he's a household name. People know about him. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tweet apart every Caesar Milan episode and we're not going to do that. Some of the stuff he does work, some of it doesn't, some of it's ridiculous. The bottom line is it's him and the dogs. And if you're going to have your child replicate that, or if you're going to replicate that, that could probably go pretty south, you know, in your own household. So that's kind of why we don't like it. As far as this, like, I'm the alpha and my dog has to be the omega and I have to assert myself and go through the door first and everything. That's a whole crock crap as far as we're concerned as well. But dogs do want a leader, just like we want a leader in the U.S. We want to be able to feel like, okay, like we're living in our country and we're feeling like we're being led. No matter who that ends up being, we want to feel like we have a leader. So and do you want an alpha president or do you want an omega president? I guess that's really what we're talking don't about Don't start here. with me. You know, that My, whole thing about the, the dominant stuff, I just don't use that terminology. But if you're going to talk about a leader and structure, I mean, it, it, it's semantically, it's the same approach. It's not, we're not going to be alpha rolling and, and doing all that crazy stuff. But you need to step up and be in charge. And you could, you could say, oh, I'll be dominant in the situation, but you need to just step it's up. It's not about dominance. It's just about clarity. It's just like... With kids, it's a good example. So, well, like, people when you would were... perceive asserting themselves as a dominant act. Like, they're so concerned about even asserting themselves and telling a stranger, please don't well, pet my dog. I would say that that's an American problem, then. So, I'm thinking of, like, okay, you're, we're going to have a dog sit at a doorway before they go outside, right? Before they go through the door. Not so we can go first or anything, just to create a little structure, just to make sure everybody's on the same page. So to me, that a leader in that situation would, okay, dog sit, dog sits. You open the door, dog goes to get up. You're as the leader, you have the dog sit again. I don't consider that being dominant. I just consider that being consistent and showing that you're, well, yeah, there's you're, rules that need to be followed there. There's structure that you want to incorporate and yeah, yeah. hold them accountable to. And with that said, that is really, the, it's funny how um, people don't generalize behaviors like that. So like with the door, they'd say like, well, yeah, well, the door opened, like, the dog wanted to go through the door, like, of course. But then a sit in another context, like on the street, meeting someone is like, oh, well, the dog's not holding a sit here. Why do I have fallout there? So when we're talking about creating certainty for our dogs, we're just talking about having boundaries, having rules. And if there aren't going to be boundaries and there aren't going to be rules, then just the dog, let the dog be. Live and let live. Like, if you were, let if the you dog were, hang out in a controlled, safe environment. It would be more dominant at the doorway if you were wearing your... Um, rubber costume with the whips. We're going to talk about that. (laughs) We normally don't bring up my rubber costume while I'm wearing my (laughs) pearls. That's more of a classy thing. I don't have a rubber costume. I don't know what this cigar is, but it's going to go on the shit list of the smoking. Um, No, to me though, being dominant would be more like, you know, in that moment, like, oh, the dog got up. Like, okay, like I'm going to alpha roll him or you're going to like be meaner. Like, please sit, like sit now. I guess that's not dominant. I would associate the dominance with uh, intimidation. I guess that would be a fair way of my description of dominance is more intimidation in, in the control. Yeah, and rather you don't than, need to do that. You don't need to raise your voice. You don't need to have some physical presence that's like making the dog. A lot of times, honestly, that will put dogs on the uh, on the offense. If you have a dog that's strong, we had a Rottweiler like this um, a few years ago. It was a tough dog to have in, but um, it was wonderful. The more <laughs> I enjoyed Scott him. was the only one that handled him. 
Um, but the more that you bring to the table, the more that you try to assert yourself, the more the dog's like, all right, you want to go? Let's go. You know, and that kind of like squaring up on the dog and like, I'm going to be the leader and I'm going to show the dog what's what you're creating more problems there. You're creating more conflict in your relationship. You don't want conflict. You guys, you want to have a relationship where you can own a dog, enjoy a dog and where the dog feels clear. If you have to have a dog, a basic pet dog living with you on medication because they're so off their rocker, because they're so out of control, then maybe you need to structure their lives a little bit differently. If the dog is always having to run around and pace and pant and, you know, ask for attention and everything else, maybe put them on a leash and step on the leash or use a crate or, you know what I mean? Try some different things to see if creating structure changes their behavior because often it does. And I really wanted to just hit this point home with the uncertainty and the certainty because you just see it so often with dogs. And I guess what really makes me sad is to see dogs that aren't sure. They're not sure about what is expected of them. They're not sure about the criteria that the handlers are going to be asking of them. They're not sure how to do the right thing. And maybe they're trying and maybe they're, you know, some people say, oh, they're being defiant, whatever else. Yes, dogs can sometimes test. I understand that. But what are you doing to help your dog? And if what you're doing is hurting your dog in a way, if not just mentally, and I'm not saying physically, but mentally, then what can you do to help that? Like we're there to be an advocate for them and to show them what we want and be clear. Okay. Because, um, I don't know, maybe all the results are coming in now and we'll have more certainty by the end of the podcast here today, but I think it's going to be a little bit. And the uncertainty is what freaks us out as a nation and as living beings, I would say. Some of us. Some of us, <laughs> Some of us thrive you, on uncertainty. You know, I don't let this stuff get to me. I don't, you know. Yeah. He doesn't I mean, let anything in, get to him. But, and, and it's not that, um, stress, you know, stress can st- cause strength and everything else, but it, there's different things about stress and uncertainty. You know what I mean? There's diff- there's a difference between like having an adverse situation where, you know, you dog worked through some frustration tolerance or succeeded or something else and having a dog that's just mentally like asking for clarification. Like, I'm not sure what you want. Like, I don't understand. You're not being clear. Um, and I guess, again, the easiest way to say that is if you aren't going to expect anything of your dog, that's more than fine. But then don't tell them to do stuff and not be able to follow through with it because that's where they start to be like, okay, well, like, are you actually in charge or am I in charge or is the little five-year-old in charge or is it just when dad's around that something happens? You know, they, they need to have clarity because just like all of us, clarity makes us feel better. Really kind of getting into the psychology of the dog here. Yeah. You know, but the thing is you need some concrete steps to take too. Understanding why they act the way they do doesn't help you make any progress in any way. You got to be able to step in and do something to help calm them down and control the situation. Yeah. And often for people that just means like, you know, petting them and holding them and everything else. It's not like that it's wrong to cuddle with your dog or something else, but a lot of times just petting them when they're freaking out and they're not sure isn't necessarily helping them. It can be increasing that type of anxious behavior. (laughs) No, you guys are, you guys are fine. You guys are clearing things up. All right. Next week, we're going to have a representative on from the insurance company embrace. So if you're thinking about dog insurance, um, definitely check out that episode. And I wanted to thank you guys, everyone that, um, was a part of our, the quirky dog apparel campaign, a ton of shirts were sold. Um, they're going to be sent out here in the next week or so. And we appreciate your support. If you need anything from us guys, studio at thequirkydog.com. Hang in there, grab the coffee, grab the wine, grab the cigars, whatever works for you. Look go, looking forward to the next four years. Keep it quirky. We got a squeak. <laughs> Bye, guys.
The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.